Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, wherever you are, and whoever is hearing this, welcome to my latest podcast. This chronicles the years from 2012 to 2016. Interesting as it was, this was a big time in my life. I was doing a lot of things. I was learning a lot of new experiences. I was in some pretty good jobs, and I had a relationship, two of them, in fact, and I'll go more into that a little bit later. But these relationships were really training ground for what's coming in the future. I started working at Kmart in 2012, and it was about March that I was hired on. Renee had hired me. I had interviewed well, and just then I was at Kmart. So I began to work. It was a good experience, but I must say the only positive thing about it was that I was making money and that I met my good friend Joe Torres. Joe worked at Kmart like myself, and he was kind of a voice. He was kind of a leader. He felt really sure that he was... Everybody turned to Joe because he was cheerful. He was a great guy. He was kind to everybody. But in particular, he liked me. And that began a friendship we've had going for eight years, almost nine or ten now. While we worked at Kmart, me and Joe learned a lot about what we knew, learned a lot about each other. We learned how each of the other person thinks and acts, and we learned what, what our triggers were. Knowing a guy that long, you know, you kind of get to, you kind of get to know what, what makes them tick. So me and Joe worked at Kmart. And we, they separated us because we were talking all the time. Julio, one day I got mad at Julio because Julio wanted me in this department. And I said, no, I'd rather not be in this department. So I walked out on Julio. And after that, I never went back to Kmart. And I was done. It was frustrating. The most about Kmart was because it was a very unappreciated job. Retail is tough. Dealing with customers is tough. It was the part of town it was in. But the good thing that came out of Kmart, I can positively say, is Joe was in my life and he was here to stay. While I was at Kmart, I had wanted to open a pawn shop, but I but pawn shops are difficult. You have to have a $5,000 cash bond in case some stuff is stolen or you take stolen goods. And I was even looking at buildings to open a pawn shop. I really wanted to go into business for myself. And this is the very beginning of wanting to start a business. Well, it was during that time I started selling on eBay as well, but I wasn't full-time. I was just tinkering with eBay a bit, you know, getting odds and ends items, selling a bit here and there. It was interesting selling on eBay. I was building a reputation on eBay. Me and Joe were great friends. We'd hang out a lot, and Joe helped boost my eBay, and he helped boost the pawn shop idea. However, there was one slight issue. Pawn shops have a lot of laws and the score chapter the P, the SBA chapter they told me I needed to consider any kind of pawn shop I needed to have a lot more money and I needed to have a lot more going on to start a business like that just as I was seeing Joe I met a lady named Jessica Shanahan she lived in Chico California we met on Facebook and it was long distance Jessica had four kids, two kids came from one dad, and then the other two kids came from two other dads. Jessica loved her kids. She was a very kind-hearted woman. She devoted to her kids. 
and we got to know each other and we got very, very close. She was coming out of a bad relationship. She had been divorced and she had she was coming out of a relationship, but she was seeing a lot of guys on the site. So to make a long story short with Jessica, she eventually would come to visit me. We planned a visit. She would come in about June. Well, I was excited about that visit. I would get to see her and she had a lot of health problems though. I won't go into a lot of detail for privacy and protection purposes, but she had health problems. She had, she had a lot of issues. She was several years older than me. She was 38. I was 24, 25. And we really got to know each other. And we'd chat on Facebook. We'd use our phones. We'd call a lot. And we really fell in love with each other. However, long distance is very difficult. And it's only going to work long distance, folks, if someone is willing to move to be with you or you with them. Then it came a time when I needed extra money and I was helping Steve Nelson, my good friend Steve Nelson with his hot tub place in Albuquerque. We were doing a lot of hot tub work and Steve would pay me. He had these good Dimension One spas. They were the best spas you could get and we'd go to all of these ritzy neighborhoods and work on their spas and install new ones. Me and Steve were very good friends. Steve taught me a lot. Steve taught me how to work hard and Steve gave me the confidence that I didn't get a lot of from other people. So me and Steve were working together and even with Steve, I wasn't making enough money really to survive. I was living off of my parents mainly and they were supporting me because by then I was out of Kmart and I was doing other things, you know. I also know that before Kmart was Goodwill. I had worked at Goodwill and I'll go into Goodwill. Goodwill, I was an assistant manager. And to make a long story short, I got in trouble for accusing one of my cashiers of skimming money. And they accused me of that, investigated me, and found out that I was... Well, they couldn't prove that the money was stolen. But I called Mike out and they said I was unprofessional about it. And so I was terminated. That was stressful. You know, that was very, very stressful getting fired from Goodwill. It was an assistant manager position. It was a good position. It paid a lot of money. And I was at stores working with other people. However, Goodwill, I will say the one positive thing that came out of Goodwill was not only did I learn about all the merchandise, but I'm a big thrift shopper, folks. I love to shop Goodwill. I love to shop there and see what nice things they have because they do have a lot of nice things. And Goodwill is great for that. So now I know the truckloads. I have connections with people who know when the good stuff's coming in. So leaving Goodwill, leaving Kmart, I went up with Tony Gardunio. We reunited and went to Cuesta, New Mexico to do a job. That was insane. Jess was coming in three days, and I wanted to get this job done. We had two Latino men that spoke no English, and it was a dicey situation. Tony and his brother Rick were not very nice guys to us. They, they rationed the water. They, we didn't have a lot of proper food. We didn't have the water. It was basically an, uh, un, a trip that wasn't planned very well. We were going up to Cuesta de Lay Sod at a school, or turf, and let me tell you, turf burns. So we're putting sand down. We're putting the, the stakes down and getting the turf down. Well, up there, I had a spat with Tony, and I told him, your guys are lazy. I said, make them work, take control, or I'm going to do it. Tony didn't want to do that. 
He said, we're trying to motivate them. I said, make them work. And so I was yelling at the guys in Spanish. I'm all, vamanos, vamanos, and pushing them. I slept on the floor, by the way, and the two Latino guys got the bed. It was like at night, you know, and Tony and his brother, it turned out, were eating pizza and they were eating good food while we weren't getting a lot to eat. They were taking care of themselves really well. And it was just not a good situation. The final day came and I was so mad. I jumped on their trailer and they were dragging me along. And then they, then they get out and say, you're not allowed to ride in the back of the trailer. And me and Rick, Tony's brother, almost got in a fight. It was crazy the fight we got into. Rick got in my face. I got in his. And, and I said, do something about it, I said. And Rick walked away. But they did pay me. And then I spent the rest of the day in Cuesta without them. They did finish the job, and I went around. I tried to hitchhike back to Albuquerque, and I was trying to find a bus schedule to get back. Well, that's not easy, trying to get a ride back to Albuquerque when you're 200 miles away. So I went ahead and went ahead. I went around and met this guy, Val. He was driving a beater truck, and we went and worked in a metal yard. So on top of the 180 I had made, Val paid me $10 to help out with metal. We went to a metal field and we were loading all this scrap metal on a trailer. So I got some experience with scrap metal. And Val gave me the bus schedule. He told me about it. And we got ready to, to, go, to go back to the, my hotel where I was staying. So going back to the hotel, I talked to the lady, the hotel manager, and she said, just swallow your pride, she said, and get back with them to Albuquerque. She said, I know that I know him and his brother are scumbags, she said, but just swallow your pride and get back, get, get a ride back. Tony is a good guy. And so is Rick. They're good men. It's just we had a falling out. I let my ego get the best of me and I let my pride get the best of me. And that was not a cool thing to do. I arrived back in Albuquerque, didn't say anything to him, packed up, left. And that was that. Jess, however, would come three days later, or about a day and a half later. Jess shows up. I pick her up at the airport. I bring her roses, and we walk to my car, and we spend two days together, uh, two and a half days. Jess was a good friend, and she became kind of one of my mentors, but that was all she ever became. We were in a relationship, but she, I didn't trust her, and I guess I'd carried debris from the Holly relationship or scars from Holly, that it was hard to trust this lady. This lady was the was getting around a lot, though. Jess saw a lot of other guys. She had a lot of suitors. She had a lot of male friends. And she had, to top it off, a lot of baggage. And she had dads from, three different dads from all of her kids. So it was really hard to deal with that. And she was older than me. So as time went on, me and Jess decided, you know what? We're going to we're we're going to be friends and we're gonna date. We were even engaged at one point. But as you know, all good things must come to an end. I parted ways with Jess, but that was only temporary. In 2013, I started from 2012 to 2013, I started talking to a lady named Christine, and that's when I started Shoe Palace. Now, Shoe Palace was an awesome job. They are energetic in San Jose, California. I went and studied to be a store manager at Shoe Palace. 
I trained with the brothers. The brothers interviewed me. David Tanaus, Tony Mershow. Shoe Palace isn't interesting in itself because it started when three brothers opened up at a flea market and sold shoes out of the out of the backseat of their truck, out of the tailgate of their truck. Mershow was very in style. He wore the nice clothes. Tony Mershow, he was the one that hauled us around mainly. And I rode in nice cars, Jaguars, Cadillacs. They pick us up from the hotel. I interviewed well, got it, and then I was in San Jose. I flew to San Jose to train at the Shoe Palace store. Shoe Palace is big in California, and it's big in Texas, and they've got two stores in my state, New Mexico now. So I'm training at Shoe Palace, and it was like boot camp. The brothers took care of us. We stayed at a hotel. We ate good food. We, we were well taken care of, suffice to say, well taken care of, but it rained the whole time, and I don't know how they drove like maniacs in the rain, but they did it. Then, as I'm learning the trade of how to sell shoes, because it was all scripted, they wanted you to do it a certain way, I got discouraged. I got disgruntled. It was hard. Thomas, the 23-year-old district manager, said, if you don't get this, I'm going to send you home. And it was just nuts, you know? Plus, I was dealing with a rigid training structure where they claimed I only had known about 3% of what I needed to learn. I mean, we saw corporate. We saw how they operated. We did all that. But the 3%, yeah, if that was 3%, it felt like 80% because, man, it was tough. Derek, this little Asian guy, would teach us everything about shoes, how to sell them, how to pick at them, how to do all that. Well, I get out of Shoe Palace, and I eventually resigned because me and Nick had an argument over if someone broke into his place, he'd shoot him. And I said, well, then you have to prove in court that you shot someone I won't go into a lot of detail about that argument, but Nick got mad and felt he was uncomfortable with me. Nick has Nick and myself had a history at Journeys where we had worked together and we just didn't like each other. So Nick was a partier. I was more of not a partier. Nick said, you're my drinking buddy, and he made fun of me for not drinking on the trip. I didn't drink. I didn't have a beer until the last night at a steakhouse when I'm sitting getting ready to fly back the next day. So the next day, I'm in my hotel room, and I'm packing my stuff and flying back. I had decided after that to resign. I felt resignation was better because Shoe Palace left me in my room. They would not contact me, gave me the runaround. I could not go to work. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to resign. I said, this is too much. I've got to get back to Albuquerque. During that time, I had met Christine as well. Christine lived in Bakersfield, California. She lived there. Holly was from Bakersfield. But Bakersfield, California is a little oil town. It's a little town in itself. And Christine and I were getting to know each other even before Shoe Palace. We were really getting to know each other. She had a six-year-old son named Aiden. And Aiden had a very unique history and personality. Aiden was a very smart kid, but he had been through hell. So it came after a while. Me and Christine got to know each other. She moved here in 2013 she arrived and i was just getting my job at target i was just starting to work at target and target was going good for me and i was morning shift at target and i stocked from the trucks and unloaded things so target began and i had a full plate i'll be honest with you it was a very full plate aiden and christine took up a lot of my time christine didn't drive but she had disability she lived off of that and she did pay half a rent. She paid a lot of rent. 
because together we got a two-bedroom apartment. Aiden had his room and we had our room. Christine is the type of person that was very loud. I'm not going to insult her, but it was difficult. It didn't work out. She was a hitter and she was verbally abusive and she did things to her son that I won't really talk about, but it turned out that there was a lot of drama going on. Aiden was defended by her wickedly, but also Aiden was the kind of guy that would get, get into a lot of trouble. So he was in school and he was very, very difficult. And he got suspended three times. And th three times suspension is not a good thing. And even the principal said, you need to take him to a pediatrician, which we wouldn't do. He, he would not go to a pediatrician. So his mom said he doesn't need that. His mom thought he was a perfect angel. Well, kids need proper nourishment. And kids need all that. That's important that a kid gets the proper meals. Aiden never ate properly. He didn't sleep well. He slept in front of the TV. He did all the stuff that boys cannot be doing. So, you know, to make a long story short, I got so fed up with Christine, I broke up with her. And I said, it's time for us to part ways. She had spread a lot of lies about me. She had spread a lot of rumors about me. I had never hit her once. I had never abused her. We had yelling matches, but I had never abused her or done anything dangerous. And she, it got so bad that she claimed, I'm going to a battered women's shelter. So she went there. But then she comes back and tells my mom later, a battered women's shelter isn't that bad. Those people are far worse off than I was. She said, Christopher is nice to me. He's kind to me compared to compared to these women and what they go through. A battered women's shelter is not a place you want to be, but I also know that I was not abusive to Christine, and she even admitted it later. About April, during that time, we had a dog named Donnie. He was a pit bull basset hound, and we got, Christine fell in love with Donnie, and so we got him, and they were, we were all very happy. Donnie shredded apartments, though. That dog was legendary for shredding stuff. He, you left him alone, he'd panic, freak out, Five minutes, your apartment was history. So we had to figure out how to deal with Donnie. I eventually got rid of Donnie after Christine went to the to the battered shelter, and that was the end of that uh, end of Donnie. Then on the final day, I told my mom, I said, "You know what? I've got to break up with Christine." I said, "This is not working out. This is not going to go good." And mom came with me, driving her red Mini Cooper, and we went in. And I told Christine, "I'm breaking up." I'm leaving, I'm leaving you, and Christine was mad. She was furious, but I allowed her to stay at my apartment until she could get transferred back to California with her and her son. To make a long story short, I stayed a night at a hotel, took my valuable stuff out of my place so she couldn't do something. When I came back, the apartment was in shambles, so I had to clean up. She left all of Aiden's toys behind. She took all of her valuable stuff with her, and that was how it went. You know, it was sad because her son didn't have anything to his name. You know, didn't have anything to his name. And it was very sad to watch that. So Christine took her stuff, but not any of her son's things. So I threw away all of Aiden's stuff. I had to go through and clean my apartment, my two bedroom. Eventually, I would move into a one bedroom apartment. So that was the end of Christine, and during that time, I would move on 
to being back with Jess. Me and Jess got back together, and that was interesting in itself. You know, being around Jess, she was nicer than Christine at least, but she played games. And games were definitely no fun. And I think partially I had got with Christine and because I thought Jess wasn't interested in me. Well, it turned out Jess was interested in me. So, as I said, Target, Shoe Palace, Christine, I learned a lot. I even got my first taste of parenting. By 2013, me and Joe had started gambling. I got into gambling. I loved to gamble. I would go to the casino and play dollar slots. The one pot I won, if I can remember it right, was $1,072 I won at a casino playing dollar slots, flaming sevens. That was thrilling. I had money, and they'd pay you out in cash at the casino. you go out with security guarding you, and it was awesome. Well, that the gambling addiction went on, and I have always had an addictive personality, but that gambling addiction got the better of me. It got so bad that I was talking to my parents. I was trying to give them to give me money, weaseling it out of them just to go gamble. I'd live at the casinos. I stayed there, and it was not good for me. So finally, after getting out of the casinos, I said, you know what? I am going to... I'm going to start my life over and and not gamble anymore. And mom said to quit cold turkey. During that time, my grandma died. In February of 2013, she died. And by then, I was working at Big Lots. Big Lots was very, very, very good job. The problem was I didn't get the supervisor position I wanted. I wanted furniture supervisor. So, since I couldn't gamble, I had to go to Big Lots and work. And this was one of the last two jobs I would ever have. Big Lots, Harold was a good manager, and I started off well. I worked hard, but inventory came around. And it was a pain doing inventory. I kid you not, inventory was awful. And during that time, Sandy's mom, my mom's mom, grandmom died. And that was hard. I remember Grandmom had a lot of health issues, and she didn't like hospitals. She didn't like to be on life support. So the time came for her to go. The final day, February, I rushed down there to say goodbye to Grandma, Grandmom, and that that was a sad time. I walk in there, and Grandmom didn't wasn't really conscious, but I think she knew I was there. And Sandy says, "Mom, Chris, Chris is here to see you." And Grandmom like jerked out of a trance because I was very close to her, and it was like, wow, she knew I was there. Even And it, she wanted to say something, but she couldn't. And I just said, goodbye, Grandmom, and I will meet you on the other side. I will see you again one day. So Grandmom was dying. I left pretty, feeling pretty upset. Hospitals are not happy places, generally speaking, and I was not happy. I drove home, and two hours later, she had died. That was devastating for the family. I remember going to the funeral, and I would not go into the church room where the casket was with her coffin. I would not go in there and look, and neither did my older brother, Paul. We kind of felt like, you know what? We don't want to do this. By then, Sam was pregnant with my nephew, Ashton, and I had seen something in a horoscope that said, you will have, you will lose a family member at this time, but you will gain a new one. That stood out to me, because by then I had a nephew, James, but... Sam was having another baby with her husband, Jim. So anyways, 
Grandmom, we took her up. I was a pallbearer. I had been a pallbearer at Granddad's funeral too, and I was a pallbearer for Grandmom. We took the coffin up and put it in the ground, and that was it. Oh boy, yeah, that was a sad time. I felt really, really sad, and that's when I started losing my job at Big Lots. They eventually put me in a position to where I quit, and I said, you know what, I can't do this. By then, I'd found a better job, though. I went to Lowe's Home Improvement, and I was going to be a seasonal employee. Lowe's Home Improvement was interesting, and you will hear all about that in the next podcast. I pretty much covered 2012 to 2013. This has been very long podcast, but this is going to be two parts to a part one. So after part one, I'm going to have two more parts for you, and you're going to really hear about more of what I was doing. All of these jobs are leading up to something bigger. So I hope everyone's staying safe. I hope everyone's feeling good. And this ends part one of my podcast on 2012 to 2016.